Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. Lots going on this week as we enter the final week of the high school football regular season. It is great to have the excitement, the anticipation, the intrigue, and yes, a little bit of the chaos back of the high school football season final week. Last year, we did not have that feeling. We had, you know, a season. We had um, the abbreviated WIA culminating event. We had, you know, a, a kind of a playoff selection last year, but with a third of the teams moving to the spring, another whole group of teams opting out of the playoffs last year, it really was not normal amongst many other things that were not normal last year. So it is great to have this back, this regular playoff scenarios, conference title races, all that stuff that goes into a final week of the high school football season. It's great to have that back. On today's episode of the podcast, we're going to preview a few of the big matchups that are left in conference races. And then we're going to have a conversation with Ryan Anderson, our good friend from Midwest Sport and Turf Systems, about turf and, and all things turf, because that is a, a a big thing around this time of the year, of course. Teams that have turf are much like much more likely to host. Teams that, uh, schools that have turf, field, fields that have turf are much more likely to host level four games that are neutral site. As the weather starts to turn bad, potentially, hopefully someday, we'll start to get more regular fall-like weather. I know it seems weird to say that after we just had 80s last week in the state, but you know things get a little bit colder and potentially precipitation, whether it's rain or that naughty S-word, snow, does sometimes come into play later in the playoffs. And when you have a turf field, things can be a lot easier. So we're going to talk with Ryan about what it goes into to get turf, how much it costs or can cost. What are some of the factors involved? And uh, and have a great conversation with Ryan. But first, again, we're going to talk about some of these big conference matchups that are on the slate this week. And uh, specifically ones that will determine a conference champion. Now, there's obviously 60-some conferences this week and 60-some conference championships to be crowned. I, I think there's maybe one or two league races that are completely wrapped up where the, uh, the, the first-place team... Uh, is two games ahead of anybody else. But the ones we're going to talk about today feature games where both teams have a shot to win a conference title. Perhaps they're both unbeaten in conference. Perhaps one is unbeaten and one is uh, got one loss. But a championship on the line. <coughs> Excuse me. I do expect that there might be a couple other conference races that you know the, the first place team might suffer an upset to the team that's in third or that's a couple games behind. But again, these are the ones we're going to focus on for right now. And it starts in the Milwaukee City Conference, which, by the way, we will get to some more items related to the City Conference tonight in our Facebook Live event that we will do that we'll talk much more about playoffs and and, uh, and how things are going to go with the playoffs, the latest on the MPS situation. But in the Milwaukee City Conference, the crossover this week is Milwaukee King and Milwaukee Marshall at South Stadium. Uh, King is undefeated in conference play. Marshall's got one loss, so that's for the city championship. In the Badger Small, both teams, or excuse me, in the uh, Rock Valley, 
not the Badger Small. The Rock Valley, uh, both teams are undefeated. Monroe and Edgewood, undefeated in conference play, that is. Edgewood is undefeated overall. Monroe has one non-conference loss. That's going to be a great game. Again, both teams are undefeated, so that's for the whole thing. That's for the Rock Valley Conference Championship. Similar situation in the Big East Conference, where Brilliant will travel to Kohler, Sheboygan, Lutheran, Christian. A little, uh, not a little, a lot of a contrast in styles in that one. The Kohler Co-op uh, leading the state in, in uh, scoring. High-powered passing attack with Robbie Michael at quarterback. Colin Jadakis and Casey Verhagen out at receiver. Matt Stephanie's had a great year running the football, putting up huge numbers offensively. Brilliant is built on defense and controlling the ball. So a big one in the Big East. In the Bay Conference, it's actually a three-way tie this week, and two of them will meet up. As Xavier is at Winnicani, those two teams are tied with Fox Valley Lutheran. In the CWC Large, Amherst is undefeated. Stratford has one loss. Earlier this year, I believe it was an 8-6 to six loss to Wittenberg Burnhamwood. And Stratford plays at Amherst this week. Uh, of course, Stratford new to that conference after many, many, many years as a member of the Merrowood Conference. In the Eastern Suburban, both teams undefeated in conference play. Marshall at Marcusan. The only loss for Marcusan was a replacement game against uh, Amherst a couple weeks ago. Marshall's is, Marshall is undefeated overall. So a great one in the Eastern Suburban, which has been a very competitive league this year. And that's, again, a winner-take-all. Both teams are undefeated in conference play. The Flyway Conference has been a little bit topsy-turvy this year. But as of right now, Mayville heads into the final week alone in first. They have uh, not lost in conference. Campbellsport has one loss in conference. And they're one of the surprise teams this year. And they are looking to get a share of that Flyway Conference title. In the Heart of North Conference, one of the premier matchups in the entire state, both teams unbeaten overall, Cumberland at Northwestern. Cumberland was uh, our unofficial top-ranked team last year in, what was that? I guess it was Division 5, I believe, uh, or was it 4? Uh, 4, I guess it was. Um, went undefeated in that fall season. Northwestern, obviously a, a powerhouse, cons uh, consistent powerhouse in the Heart of North Conference, both teams Unbeaten, winner-take-all battle in the Han. In the Merrowood Conference, Colby is undefeated in league play. Auburndale has one loss in league play. They went down to Edgar. Colby has already beat Edgar. So Auburndale looking to get a share of the conference title if they can win. Otherwise, Colby, if they score a victory, they are the outright league champions in the Merrowood. Packerland Conference, two teams that are undefeated in league play. Southern Door at Kiwani. Uh, again, both undefeated, so the winner is the outright conference champion, the loser, second place. Northeastern Conference, Luxembourg-Casco is undefeated this year. They've moved up in the rankings each week uh, up to second in Division Three in the most recent Wisports.net coaches poll. Denmark has just one defeat this season, so that's a, uh, a battle for control and Conference Championship in the Northeastern Conference. The Scenic Bluffs Conference, Bangor saw their lengthy conference winning streak ended a few weeks ago by Luther, but they still have a shot at a conference championship as they take on Cashton this week. Both teams have one loss in league play. So, again, that's uh, even though they're both not undefeated, 
that is a battle for an outright conference championship in the Scenic Bluffs. Both teams are 5-1 and one in league play. The Six Rivers Conference has a three-way tie atop the standings, Blackhawk-Warren, Potosi-Cassville, and River Ridge. This week, it will be Blackhawk-Warren at River Ridge, as again, one of those teams will have at least a share of the conference championship. River Ridge started uh, started very good this year, but they, uh, they've hit a little bit of a rough patch, a tougher part of their schedule. South Central Conference, you've got Wisconsin Dells, who's alone in first place and undefeated at Mauston. Second place with one loss. So that's a, a big game up there in the South Central Conference. I, I believe I'd heard from someone from Mauston earlier um, that you know they're they're going for uh, a, a battle in this game that uh, you know you usually don't see. You haven't seen these two teams you know towards the top of the standings at the same time. But again, South Central Conference title on the line. Wisconsin Dells looking to claim an outright league championship. Boston trying to win and force a share of the league title. So those are some of the games on the schedule that again are for a league championship. A lot to be decided still this week, a lot to be decided in conference races, and a lot to be decided in the postseason. As a reminder, we will be doing our Facebook Live event again this year, Friday night, beginning at 9.30, and we will be doing a test run tonight, Wednesday night, beginning at 8 o'clock, going over playoff uh, information, going over our plans, going over our projections. If you have questions, feel free to join in. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, and chime in with any questions that you might have, and we'll, uh, we'll answer them. Spend a little bit of time together on, uh, on playoff scenarios, playoff timelines, playoff situations. Hope to, at that time, also be able to provide additional information and context on the situation with the Milwaukee City Conference and what games they're going to be counting as conference and, and how they're... Um, postseason will be structured. Crazy to think we're still waiting for that on uh, Wednesday afternoon of the final week of the regular season, but here we are. So, again, looking forward to a great night, looking forward to uh, a great Friday night of the high school football season. It's going to be a fun one. Make sure you tune in to that Facebook Live event. We'll be going late into the evening, but now it's time to get to our conversation with Ryan Anderson, uh, recorded just a little bit earlier so take a listen, and we'll, uh, we'll reconnect shortly. With much of the conversation in high school football focused around the high school football playoffs, one of the things that comes up every year is where games are going to be played throughout the postseason, including and especially at level four, which is the semifinals. And many of those games, almost all of those games anymore, are played on turf fields. And that is becoming more and more prevalent in high school football in the state of Wisconsin and other sports as well. We're upwards of 160 schools that play their football games on turf of some kind, whether they have their own facility, whether they share it with somebody else, perhaps some of them play at college facilities as well. But many of them and more of them are looking into turf as a viable option. And it's not just for big schools. Many small schools, including small rural schools, schools like Southwestern and Cameron and Cumberland already have it. Schools like uh, River Valley are looking into it. Uh, so it's only going to increase and get more and more popular for a variety of reasons. And one of the uh, the things that you have seen on wisports.net in the recent weeks is a home field pride contest 
tying in with Midwest Sport and Turf Systems, our good friends over there, uh, Ryan Anderson, uh, Vice President of Sales over there, and a former athletic director at Menominee Falls is going to be our guest on the WSN podcast to talk a little bit more about the Home Field Pride Contest, high school football, and uh, specifically turf fields. So Ryan, uh, I know it's uh, a busy time for you guys. It's just like it is everybody else getting out and getting to some football games and supporting some of those uh, those programs and schools that have invested. Uh, so appreciate you joining us here on the WSN podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Travis. Well, let's uh, let's back up for just a moment, though, and talk about, you know, how how you got here. Uh, a former athletic director at Menominee Falls and now again at uh, Midwest Sport and Turf Systems. What what was your path like and what drew you to Midwest Sport and Turf Systems? Sure, sure. So uh, I started off as a middle school science and social studies teacher and a, and a coach and uh, quickly was interested in the athletic director's world and lifestyle. And uh, when uh, legendary uh, AD Dave Petroff retired, I was uh, selected in a pool to take over his role at Menominee Falls High School, which was a, a huge honor in itself taking over for Dave. So going to the AD role, one of Dave's visions for Menominee Falls High School at Schumann Stadium was to install synthetic turf. And he had started raising money when I took over. And um, so I wanted to carry that on and make him proud and find a way to finish the project. And we certainly did. And uh, put that in and going through the turf purchasing and turf installation process was very unique and fascinating. And I called ADs around the states from here in Maine to Jeff Gabrielson to, you know, all over the state to see who had put it in and, and how they selected their turf. And if I could go back in time and know just a sliver of what I know now, my life would have been so much easier selecting the right turf for our high school. So that, that uh, I guess has been kind of my, my, my push and desires to be a resource for high school athletic directors, especially the ones that are going through the turf purchasing process for the first time, because I, I want to share as much as I can to make that decision easier, even if it's not with us at Midwest. What are some of those things that uh, you said, if, if you could go back and if you knew then what you knew now, what are some of those things that that you wish you knew then that you know now that would have made that process easier, would have made it more efficient, would have made it possibly more cost efficient. What, what are some of those things that as you are in that business now really uh, are, are important for athletic directors and schools to consider? You know, I, I think probably the most, uh, the, the top of the list, Travis, is probably determining who can help you because I think a lot of the turf companies that are out there are aimed to help D1 colleges and pro teams with their, their turf. And a lot of the times the, the high schools and the small colleges are often forgotten about and they don't get white glove service. So what drew me to Midwest when we selected Midwest from Menominee Falls is about the service after installation, because I believe you look around, there's a lot of really good turf vendors out there, but they struggle to service after the installation. So the knock on the turf guys is, and gals is that after you install turf, you're not going to see a turf guy or gal until you need another set of turf or a replacement. So being responsive and, and knowing that, you know, especially for high schools, even though Menominee Falls is a D1, D2 school, depending on the year for football, um, we thought we'd get good service from whoever it may be. Well, I didn't want to take that chance. So that's why our committee at Menominee Falls selected 
Midwest Sport and Turf Systems to make sure that if something went wrong, they'd be there. And that's what uh, the owner of the company built the entire company on is helping the small schools from, you know, Fall River, who is one of our smaller partners just north of Madison, knowing that they're going to get the same quality service as, you know, when we go to Edgewood College or, or Marion University or, or Lakeland University. So to know that they get that same service across the board is, is really important. One of the most common questions I get out at football games or just talking to people in, in the community, um, and, and it's an exercise that we've gone through here in Reedsburg, my hometown. They, they did some preliminary studies on, on turf, uh, opted not to at that time. Hopefully we, revisit, we revisit that, of course. But one of the most common questions is how much does it cost? And I always tell them it depends, right? <laughs> it depends on a lot yeah. of factors. It depends on if you're you know, redoing your track as well, if you're having to, how much you have to do with the sites. There's so many variables that go into it. But when someone asks you, how much does it cost? Or, or maybe to give an idea to people that are wondering, um, you know, what, what is a response? What is a rough idea of what it can run to do turf? And what are the benefits, obviously, that you get? What are some of the cost savings over the course of the field that have to be factored in to that total cost of a project? Sure, sure. So that is a, a very common question. I get calls every single day, hey, I've got a vision, I want to do this. And it's all based on square footage. And if it's an existing synthetic turf, it's obviously much cheaper to do than a new install, which includes the excavation and the rebuild of the base to have that drainage because the turf fields are, are built and engineered to take on 10 inches of rain per hour and still be playable. So that's a fun fact for for the, the sports fanatics out there. So if you would take your base and your turf and add it together, you can you can figure about eight to nine dollars a square foot. Um, but what's becoming popular right now too, and we don't sell them, but we've got some options for a shock pad. A shock pad is very um, popular right now. It's a concussion reducing pad that goes underneath your turf, and that can be anywhere from a dollar. Uh, probably a dollar and a quarter to a dollar fifty a square foot on top of your turf cost. So those are some ways to do it um, uh, to keep your kids safe and, and making sure that you know everything is a playable surface with a an even G max rating. Uh, G max is uh, head to turf rating, kind of like when I was growing up. One of my favorite commercials was the crash test dummies as they would go from. The, the driver's seat of the car to the dashboard, and that's a G-Max rating too. So now they use it from head to turf, which I think is interesting. So that's, I guess, if, if we go back, eight to $9 a square foot for turf and base, and then we'll say a dollar and a quarter for a uh, shock pad. And then a lot, a lot of people forget about the upfront cost of having it designed by a landscape engineer or an architect. And that's anywhere between... Thirty-five and forty-five thousand dollars for them to design your field, and that's to show what stone to put in and how much water is released at a time out of your drainage system and and whatnot. So, and, and getting those permits too. So, the DNR and local permits, uh, sometimes it's a challenge to get in a in a timely manner, but uh, that is uh, an ad additional cost there for you at about forty thousand dollars. So, as Schools look at the long-term impact and the long-term costs of a turf field. Where do they see the savings? Where where do savings come in and how significant can those be 
Um, and, and obviously it, it it is very significant that allows, again, small schools like a Fall River, like a Southwestern, like a River Valley, to really consider this as a feasible option going forward. Yep, and I don't think, you know, with a turf system, I don't think you'll ever get your full money back. I mean, aesthetically, it's priceless. I mean, in the day, this day and age of curb appeal for students open enrolling, I, I think as soon as people drive in, they see that you've got this nice piece of turf with your school colors and your logo, that certainly helps. Um, but I think the big question I had, and I, I've done quite a bit of research, especially in the AD role, is trying to figure out the cost savings of maintenance. So between on a grass field, you're looking at water, fertilizer, paint, man hours, equipment hours, you know, that averages out for a football field to be about 20 to $25,000 a year. And, uh, you know, there's this idea that turf is maintenance free. Well, it's not. You still need to maintain it to make it last longer and make sure you're taking care of it. Um, and that's about $5,000 a year. So not a huge number to write home about, Travis, but still you can see a little bit of savings there, but a lot less time needed to maintain that field compared to a grass field. One of the big things that many uh, school districts have looked at as a benefit is the increased usage that you can get out of a turf field. For instance, I saw in some of the information that River Valley was publishing um, that you know they could go from hosting 50 events per year on their football field to 250 events per year when you factor in biad classes, band, um, you know, cheerleading, practices on the fields, youth events, those kinds of things. That seems to be a pretty significant part of that, that equation as well, is the more that you can use that facility uh, really becomes a big part of it. For sure. And you know what? It's Essentially, it's unlimited use because the number one thing that breaks down your synthetic turf system and degrades it are the UV rays by the sun. So in Wisconsin, when we get a snow covering that covers the field from mid-November to mid-March, that actually helps. It helps protect your turf a little bit longer, which is which is good. But uh, it's interesting that you bring that up because Lodi, when we worked with Lodi, they did a really nice job uh, of identifying who could use it currently and who could use it if they had turf. And they made this, this beautiful chart. And I assume Effort did a fantastic job in Lodi identifying the added use in the community really thought you know what, this makes a ton of sense for us. Let's expand our usage and get people out there. And Sue said, it's being used all the time. And they're hosting things that they've never been able to host. So the usage goes way, way up. And uh, I think usability, I mean, we called it the golden piece of grass that was used for 15 football games in the fall. And then nobody could go on in the spring or the summer because they were restoring it. This opens it up almost year round. One of the, uh, the things that I've always emphasized in, in our home field pride campaign that we're doing right now is geared towards the football fields, of course. But uh, one of the things that, that I've always felt could be just as impactful or even more impactful when you talk about being able to use your facilities is considering turf for other fields and other sports as well, including and especially softball and baseball. That seems to be becoming more and more popular as well. And I know you guys just uh, wrapped up a, a, a awesome new install for uh, for Sun Prairie. Um, you know, some of those other sports seem to be gaining in popularity as well for turf fields. Uh, it's, a, it's amazing to see how many calls we're getting on baseball, softball, and 
And uh, I mean, those brutal <laughs> uh, late March, early April games, you know, everybody getting canceled and this gives an opportunity to have more playability, but uh, you know, those are the two sports that have probably the highest interest right now. Um, and some schools are even, when they're installing their football field, they're putting in what we call tick marks, their little dots on the field to identify where bases could go so they can practice and, and use there. But the baseball infields and, and full softball fields are, are coming up and uh, looking alone for next year, uh, 2022, I think we've got seven ball diamonds lined up for next summer's install. So um, certainly popular, that's for sure. We're continuing our conversation with Ryan Anderson, Vice President of Sales at Midwest Sport and Turf Systems. Ryan, uh, an idea that, that you had that you approached us with that we were excited to be involved with is the Home Field Pride contest that is going on right now on Wisports.net. We're in group three of uh, the voting for that. Looking forward to the finals next week where the best field installed by Midwest Sport and Turf Systems will be crowned and a $1,000 donation made to that school's athletic department. Uh, you know, what was the, what was the thought or the, the genesis behind that idea? Um, and again, that, that we've worked very well with you on and what has been the response so far that you've seen from some of the schools and communities and, uh, people around the state? Sure. And first and foremost, I mean, I've, I've known Travis for quite some time, probably 10 years and had a lot of respect for what he's done for with sports. So knowing if we can partner with one of the most powerful and most trafficked sports pages, um, social media wise as well in the state was going to be a huge benefit for us. And the portfolio that we've created here at Midwest Sport and Turf Systems has been huge and it's been fun to, to help the ADs and football coaches and, and line up their field of dreams. But to look at all the different designs across the, the state is fun. And I love looking at turf designs, no matter the sport, and uh, to be able to showcase them and have a little competition and and squeeze a thousand dollars cash out of out of my boss uh, brought me some pleasure to get back to the schools because we want to always be there uh, in support of our partner schools, show off what we've done a little bit, and uh, this is a, a fun way to do that. And I'm excited to see who's going to come out of week three here, and then whoever's going to make the finals next week is really going to go for the money grab. So um, tons of fun to have that competition. I'm always always been a competitor. Now to watch everybody compete and get those votes, it's fun to watch, sit back and watch. It has been fun. Some great vote totals, great participation from schools and communities around the state. Um, well over 7,000 votes cast the first couple of weeks. We'll go well beyond that this week. And looking forward to some huge numbers in the finals of the Home Field Pride Contest. Again, you can find that on wisports.net and cast your vote for who you think has the best high school football field in design as installed by our friends at uh, Midwest Sport and Turf Systems and, and Ryan Anderson that we're continuing our conversation with. So Ryan, we're getting down to the end of the high school football season. It's been a couple of years since you've been in that AD role, but you know, what, what does it kind of bring back? What do you, what do you think about when you think about this end of the, the regular season for football and getting excited about playoffs? Well, I truly believe that the fall sports season, including football, that's the tone for an administrator's year at the building. So if your football team's doing good, you have good vibes going into fall or excuse me, into winter and then in the spring, but uh, football season is truly the best. And um, you look around and, you know, I don't know if it was two years ago, Travis, that, you know, week two playoffs, we had four inches of snow across the state. You know, I, I hope that we don't have that for quite some time. 
but I think that, you know, the, the ones that have our turf systems and other turf systems are well equipped for something like that. And, um, it's just, I don't know, it's hard to, hard to beat football season across the state as a former high school football player myself. I, you know, this is the best time of year and it's sad to see it when it ends. It is certainly a bittersweet, uh, time of the year, as I've always said, you know, even this week, uh, what roughly 200 or 250 teams are going to play their last high school football game of this season, which means a whole lot of kids are going to spend uh, the last time ever on a high school football field. Um, but that will do it for our conversation today, Ryan. Great stuff. Great insight into what goes into uh, developing a, a turf field, the home field pride contest. We're, uh, again, excited to continue and looking forward to the finals next week. Appreciate you taking some time to join us, and uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting down the road. Thanks, Travis. Have a great day. So there you go. Good to catch up with Ryan and uh, get some more information on turf and how Midwest Sport and Turf Systems can help schools, help communities, help teams deliver on the benefits that come with the turf field. So week nine is here. As a reminder, follow along on our Facebook Live event. We will be uh, going about 9.30 Friday night, get going. We'll go for several hours, perhaps one, two in the morning, as long as people are around and uh, in, engaged in, in watching, uh, where we will again be getting all the scores in, starting to break down the playoff field, go through all the tiebreakers, give you the division cut lines, all that good stuff, talk about what the results of the qualifying are, wait around for the uh, the groupings and p- possibly the seedings to come out. And in that time, plenty of chatting and plenty of uh, things that we can go over, uh, questions that you might have on, on how playoffs work or you know, some of the regional groupings, whatever it might be. We'll go over all of that Friday night on the WSN Facebook page beginning at 9.30 for our Facebook Live special. Great week of high school football on the docket. 14 games featuring teams where it's either the co-conference leaders or first place and second place squaring off with a conference championship on the line. In a whole lot of games, almost every game that could impact playoff qualification for someone because of how tiebreakers and things work. So every game is important this week. And if you can get out to a game, do so. And again, follow Wisports.net for all of your playoff information, all of your week nine information coming up. And look for huge amounts of information coming out next week as we begin as we begin our playoff previews and playoff breakdowns. But that will do it for today. For the WSN Podcast, I am Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.